Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Clock on Monday. It's Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Big Cat Dan rode in. Fitty after that segment was just like Dylon spitting hot fire. Angry in the series. <laughs> Man, haven't heard a reference of that guy in a while. Yeah, Big Cat Dan talking about that. Top five rappers. Dylon, Dylon, Dylon. Dylon. Oh, yeah. And I missed that show, man. I oh, wish they fantastic. would bring it back. One of the best reality shows ever. Uh, 336 number wrote in. The Knicks were getting all these calls in game two. I don't want to hear it. 704 said refs are doing the same for the Lakers in the Western Conference. And then we had some people caping for Jimmy Butler. Uber Steve said, how is Butler boring? His intensity alone is entertaining. And then we also had someone saying, uh, there goes Wes hating on Jimmy Butler again. I hate your guts. SMH. How I hate when I say that he's he a great nice. player. I say that he's a great player. He's but, but just Wes, boring to watch. But, but hold on. But but we can't just disregard the whole boring thing and act like that's a compliment. Yeah, he's boring to watch. Yeah, but that's hating on him. That's a hate. No, it's not. That's a hate. Wait, hold on. All you, right. <laughs> did you just flip sides? Did you just flip sides? Because you used to get on West for saying the same thing. You used to, but now that you have been watching this series, now you're hating Jimmy Butler now uh, um, because of the Knicks' performance? I, I don't recall ever saying oh, that fitty. Jimmy Butler was boring to watch. I've always thought he was boring to watch. He's a boring superstar. Fitty. This I'm is not, one, he did rip me when I said it initially. Did I really? Because I don't I mean, recall. Said, what? You. I mean, ripped you. Yeah. I, this is, it's it's like he doesn't think we're doing the show with him. Right. It's like, you can maybe say that to someone who wasn't listening that show, but I was here with you. <laughs> what you, you have completely changed. Now, because he's getting calls, you want to call him. You were mad at the out-of-bounds play, saying that we had this discussion twice. And because Jimmy Butler was able to beat Milwaukee on a sidelines out of bounds alley oop, you were like, "How is that a boring play?" I don't remember that. Then you just out here saying stuff. <laughs> you just say stuff that you don't even mean. Is it bad that I was I was thinking on Saturday? You know, like in in hockey, you have your enforcers and stuff like that. I wanted Tibbs to insert Evan Fournier just for the whole purpose of using his six fouls. All on Jimmy Butler and just see just how good that ankle really was. It does go to show you, you can hand out a bad, highly paid contract and still get out from your own way. Like there are still <laughs> ways to still be able to. Uh, well, you got your wish. He did roll team. over on it again Dude, uh, twice in one play. I hope that's not your wish. I mean, I'm not going to confirm or deny. No, was I upset say that, that mm-hmm. he was on the floor? No. Mm. But, you know, look, it's the playoffs. I want to I want to see just how healthy he really is. That's okay. all. All right. <laughs> you can you can text in 704-570-9610. That is the Garage Door Guru text line. Something we did not get to Friday it was a hectic show, but something we wanted to, it was the Charlotte City Council meeting and how they discussed the future of Bank of America Stadium in a closed session on January 31st. It would be a 1.2 billion dollar project to 
have renovations undergo at Bank of America stadiums with $600 million in public funds mm. going towards that uh, project. While the city of Charlotte, in part of ongoing conversations with Tepper Sports and Entertainment, multiple sources say there has been no official ask yet from the Carolina Panthers and negotiations have not started in this projected thing here. Sources say the city is exploring a stadium renovation project with new practice facility at the location of the current practice bubble. Um, by the way, I know people were asking about a potential dome being in the future here at Carolina. David Tepper has talked about that. That would allow you not only a Super Bowl potentially in the future, but maybe a Final Four destination sure. as well, playing in a dome. But right now, a dome is not a part of the renovation package at this time. What do you make of some of these reports in the early going that we had here, Wes? Well, I think it's a good idea because I think the Panthers do need to renovate that stadium, especially compared to some of the new things that you see. I mean, look, we could be uh, the people of Nashville that have to pay $1.26 billion in public funding for their new stadium and then the people in Buffalo uh, 600 million contribution will come from the state 250 million from Erie County uh, for their new 1.4 billion public uh, private partnership that they have for their new stadium so it could be more but when you talk about where it comes from these these different taxes and things of that nature you have uh, the prepared food and beverage tax and the hotel motel tax. And it's a lot of stuff to kind of sift through and look at. And it's kind of one of those things that you don't necessarily see as a, as a taxpayer, when you talk about it, it's showing up on uh, your bills for certain things, but I know people feel different ways. It's very polarizing when you ask people to uh, spend their tax dollars on things when there's so many things in a given city that you need to prepare. But all in all, I say all that to say that I do think the Panthers need to upgrade that stadium because it is a bit outdated, in my opinion. Let's hear from Joe Bruno on the Mac and Bone show, who was talking about this, actually broke that story on Friday, if I'm not mistaken. He was joining Mac and Bone Friday morning. Here he is first on the timeline of first conversations taking place about renovating Bank of America Stadium. First conversation happening, closed doors, January 31st. And the reason why everything is starting to trickle out now is because there's a push at the state level to extend a tourism tax that would in part go towards these renovations. Joe Bruno also talked about what's next in the process from a city council perspective. So part of the reason why city council is having this discussion right now is because when the Spectrum Center renovations were approved, $275 million for uh, the practice facility and Spectrum Center renovations, city council just found out at the last minute, like, this is the deal. We're going to have you vote on this next week. And... Really, there's no wiggle room here. It's like, you know, Fit and Tepper just walking in and saying, okay, you're getting Bryce Young, no discussion at all. It was last minute for the Spectrum Center renovations. For this, they're bringing in council very early on to the process, keeping them in the loop, saying, hey, this is the framework we're looking at. Give us a head nod. We're going to start talking to Tepper and eventually get to those negotiations. From what I understand... City leaders would like to see movement on this by the end of the year. 
And so with the Charlotte City Council and the Spectrum Center negotiations, they voted 10 to 1 to approve that new plan that would renovate Spectrum Center, extend the Charlotte Hornets lease of that building through 2045. And under the city's current contract with the Hornets, it's obligated to pay $173 million for renovations. The current lease expires again at the end of 2029-2030. And so that was interesting just to hear Joe Bruno Talk about the timing of this. Now, we'll see exactly how all of this unfolds, but $600 billion that would be from the city. You will look at Atlanta when they made Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Atlanta taxpayers contributed $700 million when Arthur Blank built that new stadium in Atlanta. And this is something that I've had a problem with with David Tepper, right? The fact that he's been adamant how he's going to need help to pay for what would be a new stadium and in this place, renovations. When he was speaking about a year and a half ago about this at a public charity event, he was saying, quote, I'm not going to build that stadium alone. The community is going to have to want it. And then when he was just kind of spitballing ideas in front of the camera. Now, if that means I pay a third city pays a third, maybe PSL owners pay the other third, something Mm. like that, just spitballing. Right. But this is the problem. And I know Kyle has talked about this quite a bit. I share all of the 100 percent the same opinions that Kyle does on publicly funding in any way, shape or form a new stadium and how it's actually not economically beneficial to the city, especially when it's going on at that time. It might create jobs in the short term. In fact, it does create jobs in the short term. But when you look in a long term, you just take a big overview outlook of this thing. You can look at the Berkeley Economic Review. The average stadium generates one hundred and forty five million dollars per year. But none of that revenue goes back to the community. It might actually even hurt when you talk about that money being able to be spent more towards education, infrastructure, housing. So you're taking that money away. And what you're doing is you're helping an owner reap more of the benefits. And that money's not going to where it could actually benefit the community. Now, if you want to talk about the team actually moving to a different city, that's when the economics get tricky. And also, we have a little bit of history here in the Queen City of a team already leaving. And I think that city is affected very much so, this city right here, because we were devastated when a team that we did show up for, where we were in attendance every single game, when you look at that, and then Charlotte was still, the Hornets were still taken away, I wonder how much the city takes that into effect, because I have to imagine they do 100%. What ends up happening, though, in these situations when you help David Tepper is that you're, and so fans will do this as well, right? They'll say, yeah, I'll pay taxes. That's fine. Which it's interesting, the difference in opinion when you're talking about taxes going one way or another. But you're doing this out of pure fanaticism to help the second wealthiest owner in the NFL pay for something he can afford himself. Like, let's not get it twisted here. That's what's happening. If you want to do that, okay. But you can look at how there are plenty of studies telling you uh, it's actually not all that economically beneficial in the long run. Again, unless you talk about a team leaving and all of a sudden we could hold David Tepper accountable again as far as the ethics of that goes. And okay, fine. Maybe you want to be like ethics. He's a businessman. He wants to take it wherever he wants to. Fine. All right. We'll see if you say and keep that same energy if it actually does happen. And that would be the problem. And so are you doing it out of fear? Are you voting for this out of fear? If you're a fan wanting it to happen, are you doing it because you legitimately want to, because you're a huge fan, whatever, right? Like at the same time too, mind you, I know I'm going on about this, but when you're talking about the benefits, right? You're, You're not getting an entirely new stadium for a dome either to where you bring a Super Bowl in. Yeah, that's a big old boost, but you can't. 
because there's not a dome here either. Now that would cost more money. So maybe that's a little bit more of research I need to do just to talk about that. But that that are some that's some of the problems when talking about public funding that going to Bank of America. No, you bring some great points, and I'm glad that you talked about all of the things that you did because it is a very interesting layer topic. We know how people feel about football. We do know how people felt when the Hornets left town, and they definitely don't want to see the Panthers leaving. It would be hard to imagine a city without it, but then you do talk about where the money could go and all of the uh, benefits that will not be reaped if you do build a stadium for a guy, as we said, that can build it. And it doesn't make sense to me as well to pay uh, so much for those types of uh, renovations. I feel like when you talk about the cost of some of these stadiums, I just dropped uh, a couple of them. Why don't you just get a, a new stadium? You know what I'm saying as far as what you're going to pay, but and it'll the, be more like it'll be a lot more because you got to get land and different stuff like that. Like, but just everything that that you said, it definitely does put you at a a, a, a tough spot as a fan because you don't want the team to to leave as well, but you know the city needs so much besides that. Well, and just to to look at where the money is coming from as far as the city contributing to it, the city would contribute sixty million dollars to the Performance Center as going back to the Spectrum Center now, right? So just want to get this clear, not talking about Bank of America, but when Joe Bruno mentioned the Spectrum Center, we had this decision come about almost a year ago. I think it was like June, July, something like that. But the city would contribute $60 million to the Performance Center that would be paid for by new revenues generated, naming rights, and other opportunities, not from tourism taxes. So the money to pay for those upgrades to the Spectrum Center, that would come from rental, car, and hotel sales tax that by law must be spent on projects to support the city's tourism economy. Yeah. Like you are you are having so much money controlled to make sure it does benefit tourism, which might be a little bit more sustainable as to how it affects people coming to the city and experiencing something that a tourism might want to experience. So a little bit interesting there just at that breakup. That's the, the, the thing that I've had a problem with Tepper though, right? It, it's been the adamant stance the, the fans are going to have to want it. The community is going to have to want it, which means you're going to have to you're pay gonna have for to it. You're going to have to pay. Yeah. And so when you're talking about the second wealthiest owner in the NFL, you could either say, well, that's because he's a good businessman. All right. You know, you'll be taking money from your pocket then. Right. That's how it rolls in certain situations <laughs> if that is something that presents itself as such. All right. It's Wesson Walker. we got a couple more segments to go. Coming up next, let's talk a little bit more about the Carolina Panthers. Wes poses the question. Do the Panthers need to pay Brian Burns before the season starts just to avoid all of the contract negotiation mess that might take place afterwards? Wesson Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning their chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy, Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, 
right, we are back. This is the Weston Walker Show Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Charlotte FC Major League Soccer is now in season, and the WFNZ Jack Daniels Doghouse is open for business. The doghouse doors will open up three hours before every home match, so stop by and get ready for kickoff with some of your favorite friends. Join us for the pregame and postgame parties at the Jack Daniels Doghouse, coming to you live from the Audi Charlotte studio and brought to you by Jack Daniels. Pepsi and powered by the Garage Door Guru text line only from Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ, the exclusive home for the Charlotte sports fan. Follow us on those socials. We've been giving you uh, behind the scenes every day. The story, you can see Walker's uh, nose up close and personal. You can see mine up close and personal. I, I, got, I just got one question. What's up? Why? Why is it so? Because yeah. I'm just sitting at the computer screen <laughs> and then like all of a sudden I look I mean, it's so close. I wasn't even shooting at that time. But, okay, but you were about to. Your phone was, was hovering to. over yeah. the record When Fiddy said your energy wasn't right, you know, I was looking to capitalize off of that. But then once you made the comment of how close it was, you know on this show we take everything just to the max. So once you said that, I said, well, you got you think s- it's close, we're going to get close. If I have any boogers in my nose, you can see them <laughs> on at Westcott Range in Wes and Walker. Yes, well, yes. This also just brings up another problem with, with Walker, Wes. Okay. Oh, yeah, let's, let's, let's do that. <laughs> he doesn't want us to have a close relationship as a show. I came in this morning full of energy, and I had this great idea. I spent a lot of time and thought over the weekend. That's embarrassing for you if that's true. About a way to bring the show closer together. And I said, you know, we need a show handshake. And all he did was just laugh right in my face. I thought mm. it was funny. And, and then, you know, you were over there trying to film, bring the people some great content, bring people closer behind the scenes. Wow. And he just wants no part of it. I think our guy Mayo's having a case on the Monday. I like the stories that we put out there. <laughs> I think it's okay if I don't have it three inches from my face and then even closer. That's like she you said. You, that, yeah, the phone. <laughs> I, I don't know how to make that better. But check that out. WFNZ Instagram, <laughs> WFNZ <you>. Twitter. <laughs> And all the other social media handles, the Wesson Walker Twitter as well, as well as our personal Twitter. So, hey, uh, just looking at things and contracts being given out. We talked about Dexter Lawrence last week and some of the other guys. But is it time for the Panthers to maybe save themselves a little bit of money and go ahead and get Brian Burns taken care of? Because he's about to move to this new defense from Israel Evero. We know that outside linebackers in a 3-4 can become just rock stars when you talk about the numbers that they can put up as their primary job, especially for a guy like Brian Burns, is going to be to get after the quarterback and everything else comes after that. And according to Spot Track's valuations, Burns could command an annual salary of $18.3 million on a four-year $73.35 million deal. I bet it's more than that, too. And they said, considering how much the top pass rushers are getting these days, it looks relatively cheap for someone with their best days ahead of him. And they also said somewhere in the 20 to $25 million region per year might be the going rate. So the Panthers already told you how important he is when you talk about the, the trades that they passed up. And so now with him going into this system, career high in sacks for him this year, he could surpass that in this defense. Is it time to go ahead and take care of business with Mr. Burns right now? I think it, it's there. It should be in every uh, – I, I think it's in their best interest to do that right away as much as they possibly can. I do think that. The problem is if Brian Burns doesn't want to sign anything that he thinks is less than, then he's not going to do it. And so this process kind of has to play out. I, I would – I was always frustrated at the fact, at least for the last, I don't know, few seasons or so, 
where it seemed like Carolina's homegrown talent would go play football elsewhere. I was trying to get out in front of that with the Curtis Samuel during that contract negotiation, and he eventually got $10 million. I thought that would have been something that would have behooved them to just go ahead and pay at that time. Now, injuries, yada, yada. I had a higher grade on Curtis than a lot of people did. I really liked him here in Carolina. But I do like taking care of the homegrown talent and making sure they're here for the long term and maybe even getting out in front of some of those contracts. They did that a little bit with Christian McCaffrey. Still a big old payday, but they did pay him earlier rather than later to go ahead and shore him up. And eventually nothing else went right. And so they had to trade him in order to get some draft picks back. Yes, I think Carolina, it is in their best interest to look at getting something done sooner rather than later. So this doesn't balloon into a bigger number than maybe you would originally expect just to get everybody a clear picture. TJ Watt makes the most as an edge rusher right now at 28 million average salary per year. Joey Bosa, 27 miles, Garrett, 25 Khalil Mack, 23 and a half mm-hmm. because Brian Burns is younger. I do think he's going to get somewhere in the Khalil Mack, 23 and a half million Bradley Chubb, 22 million range. Like Bradley Chubb signing that contract. That's what Brian Burns is going to look at and say, okay, I'm better than him. Now that could be debatable. Whatever you want to go with. I have no problem saying Brian Burns is a better pure pass rusher than Bradley Chubb. And if Chubb got $22 million annually, then Burns is going to look at that and say, yeah, yeah, I'm not signing anything less than $23 million annually. And that's going to be a lot of money, but you turned down two first-round picks and even a second. Sure. So you're going to pay him as much as he wants in now, the, in the, at the end a of point that. I'd like to bring to your attention is when you look at the Joey Bosa deal. Now, I know Joey Bosa has been awesome throughout his career, but when you start to dig into the weeds of those numbers – and you talk about 20 and a half sacks over the last three seasons. Could Brian Burns really look at those numbers and say, look, I'm putting up better numbers than than what he's doing right now. I want to get up into that, that maybe even top in the league type pass rushing money or right under it. Could well, he come in and command that? I mean, he's going to ask for it. I think what the Panthers might the, the problem with negotiations and that's why you have an agent part of it is just, just to kind of save you from hearing the bad stuff that your team is saying about you sure. despite wanting you because the, the negotiations will happen to the point where now they're trying to argue that you're not as good as you think you are so what the Carolina Panthers could point to is if he wants Joey Bosa money at 27 average uh, annual salary Carolina might say all right well Miles Garrett's getting 25 do you think you're better than Miles? Come on, let's be real. And he's not. He's not as good as Miles Garrett. Khalil Mack right now, no. You could argue you're younger, and that's where the negotiations would come into place. But yeah, he's going to point to it. I, I think I think the high end that's real possible for Brian Burns, like he, you know, 25 mil, it's on the table for him to make for sure. And that would make him the third highest paid, you know, guaranteed money and all that. Some of the stuff that's above my head as far as just how much you would want to give him. But yeah, like 25 million. I could absolutely see that uh, being paid to Brian Burns as an edge rusher. I could see him if he really, really wanted to drive a hard bargain. I don't know, Walk. I mean, he had 63 tackles, 12 and a half sacks, and 17 TFL. Oh, no, Miles it's Bridges, Yeah, Miles Bridges goes 60, 16 sacks, but 18 Miles tackles Garrett. for loss. Miles Garrett, yes, he goes there. 
So, I mean, he technically could. I feel like if he really wanted to drive a hard bargain, I think he could go in. Oh, no, it's that. it's possible. Yeah. I, I'm saying if you are the Carolina party and you're representing them, you might say, well, Miles is only getting 25. True. And that, that's when it's that's when it gets hard, for sure, trying to figure out how much money that person is going to get. what are you going to do? You're going to let them go or you're yeah. going to pay them? Yeah. I, look. I think they pay him. Which, which leads to an interesting discussion. Who has leverage? Feels like Brian Burns has leverage. Sure. With all this reporting that they turned down two first round picks, a second round pick, the fact that you need another edge rusher and mm-hmm. you might be somebody. Th- exactly. This is the kind of thing where, yeah, I mean, if it gets ugly, all reporting is that it won't based off of the Panthers party. Like they view it, it won't till it won't. Right. But they view it pretty obvious that they're going to pay him. So at least the messaging has been good to this point, but you're right. It it won't tell it won't. And if there is a problem that could happen as these things go on, then maybe it is a little while before we see an agreement. All right. So uh, going back to the trade for the number one overall pick, we talked about that and the big player that I know that you did not like that was included in this trade was DJ Moore. And he's already making an impression in Chicago. The fans, they're already getting excited about it. You see on their social medias, they're hype about the Justin Fields to DJ Moore connection and how he's looked. With DJ Moore blossoming into a a, a superstar receiver add insult to injury if some reason Bryce re, Bryce Young did not work out. Uh, yeah, if, if Bryce doesn't work out, then the whole trade is going to be a failure regardless because <laughs> the whole ass because of all of the assets that you gave up. You know, you're talking about multiple first round picks. You're talking about the exchange and everything else, including DJ. So, I, the the thing the the question to me is if DJ Moore becomes a superstar in Chicago and Bryce Young, you know, is still good. I don't know. It doesn't really matter, right? Like you, you know, you have to give up a lot to go get a starting caliber quarterback. And you know about the whole rookie scale contract. That's also a benefit here. If he becomes a superstar, then okay. Like that's the cost of doing business. I I didn't like to see it either. I, I would have rather have given another pick, but apparently Ryan Poles, Wanted an established receiver, wanted an established player. They weren't going to give up Derek Brown. They weren't going to give up Brian Burns. So DJ Moore is next on that list. And you might argue he's more valuable to Chicago because DJ would help their young QB. So this was always going to happen. DJ, look, he had three straight years of 1,100 yards with bad quarterback play. The best QB he ever had was Teddy Bridgewater. You're talking about the end of Cam and Teddy Bridgewater as the best bridge QB situation with Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield. That's why I like him a lot. Like I have no problem championing the 1100 yards, three straight seasons, whether it was on a large yardage per reception rate two years ago, or whether he was a possession receiver that was still able to get you that dude's versatile. Dude's good. Great with the football in his hands too. He will throw a stiff arm and throw you into the ground. That's really going to help Justin Fields who has not had that many good weapons. Of course, you're going to force feed him because who else do you have to throw to like get ready for another 1,100-yard season, maybe 1,200 for DJ because he's the primary target and nobody comes close. And we've seen him do it with bad quarterback play before. That's Get ready for it. Yeah, I like where you're going with that one as well. I mean, I do think all in all, like you said, if Bryce Young doesn't work out, it doesn't matter who works out, who does, who doesn't. Uh, but I just think that Panthers, I just wonder how Panthers fans felt looking at that on social media, seeing what he was doing. But again, I just think that Bryce Young, he's going to be so good that all this is going to be an afterthought in the long run. I do think for the most part, maybe at the very beginning, 
we had people not wanting to give up DJ Moore. That was a little too much. But I think overall, Panthers fans and media alike have viewed this pretty Yeah, I feel like they're past it as pretty, well. It's pretty level-headed. After you get Bryce Young, I think everybody's excited yeah. about that and has moved on. Yeah. I, I don't I don't think if DJ goes for 1,200 this year, right, it would be a career high. He got 1,175. He would, he would flirt with it quite a bit. But let's say he surpasses that amount. I don't think Panthers fans are going to be mad and say, well, we shouldn't have done that move. I think we'll be happy for DJ. We know it wasn't – DJ wanted to stay here. I mean, he wanted to be here in Charlotte. Comments even proved that after the trade happened. And I think we'll all understand that was the price to go get Bryce Young number one. What if he goes there and he he scores in a volume of touchdowns? Though? Like, like with, with that, because like the yards and the catch has never been the problem. His issue was he couldn't score touchdowns. His career high was four. Would, would that change your outlook? No, not at all. That Because that's always been my philosophy. Touchdowns are kind of a luck-driven stat to some degree. I mean, when you're talking about Julio Jones, who I don't think there's any argument. That dude was an amazing receiver. You're talking about him, Antonio Brown, as some of the most productive wide receivers of the 2010s. But the guy did not score that many touchdowns. And here we are talking about how DJ wasn't great last year, but he had seven. The yardage went down, but the touchdowns went up. So what, you know what I'm saying? Like touchdowns, they're circumstantial. Nobody thought Calvin Ridley was better than Julio, but Calvin was out here scoring more touchdowns than Julio. I just think they're circumstantial and not something I put a lot of stock into when evaluating how good a receiver is. So in retrospect, talking about DJ Moore going to Chicago, but did the Panthers make the right moves, the stars that they moved on from when you talk about Christian McCaffrey and DJ Moore compared to the opportunities that they had to trade a Derrick Brown or Brian Burns? Absolutely. It is interesting, though, right, with how many of the stars and how they've been in conversation and they've pulled the trigger on a CMC and a DJ Moore. So first round receiver, no longer here. First round running back, no longer here. But you recoup a lot of those draft assets that you gave up in trades for Sam Darnold and trades for C.J. Henderson, Baker Mayfield, all of that. I do think with the running back value being what it is, with Christian McCaffrey being paid as high as anybody really at the position, and Carolina needing to address so many other positions, that trade made all the sense in the world. It's why I never bought into the tanking narrative because we had talked about that even before things went horribly wrong at the start of the season. We were talking about that with McCaffrey the second time he got injured for most of the season. So that's why it always made sense. Trading DJ, I think it hurts. It does hurt. But we know the value of going all the way up from nine to one. That's a lot of real estate to move up in the NFL draft, especially to go get a guy that the second place team wanted too. Houston wanted Bryce Young. Jeremy Fowler actually just had a little bit of like different nuggets that you're talking about this offseason. Houston wanted Bryce Young. They settled for C.J. Stroud. It honestly even looks like an owner-forced move down in Houston, too, where maybe if it was up to Casario, they would have selected Will Anderson Jr. number two, not traded up, but eventually they traded um, for Will Anderson three and got C.J. Like, it, it does seem... Uh, excuse me, that was a lot of room to move up, especially with Houston wanting the guy that Carolina would end up taking. And so, yeah, you understand the price of admission there. Yeah, and I think also it's circumstantial because at the time they traded CMC, it looked like the Panthers were going nowhere. You weren't sure which direction this franchise was going. You wanted to do CMC a solid, but you also knew that he had a lot of value. And so you get him out of town to get some assets that will help you down the road. So I think that there's no sweat off your back there. 
DJ, the same thing there. When you had the opportunity to get the number one pick and you had to pick your choice of players that you wanted to give up, you decided to choose DJ. And so I don't see uh, any harm there. Whereas Derek Brown and Brian Burns, I guess you value them a little bit more, especially you value the pass rush over the receiver position and as far as the interior defensive lineman uh, as well over the superstar receiver. So you had to give up something. So I don't see anything wrong there. I feel like both of those moves ended up helping them get to the spot that they are at right now. And now this defense is still sitting uh, looking good with two young studs up front to help them. Well, and and I wonder just how much Carolina valued Derek Brown compared to DJ Moore. And maybe I'm wrong on the reporting. People can call me out on it or, or check me on it, text line, tweet, whatever. But but it did seem like Ryan Poles was kind of driving, certainly at one of those three players, but also maybe even a DJ because you want to help Justin Fields because yep. you didn't have any receiving weapons. If Carolina had it their way, I wonder if they would have included a Derek Brown more so who only has one year, granted it's the one that that makes the biggest impact, the most recent one, but only one year after being a first-round pick of first-round production. DJ has had first-round production before. like We've seen that from him. I wonder if they value DJ more so than a Derrick Brown. The other thing I'll say about DJ real quickly, the contract was a pretty good one based off of when you got that deal done because every receiver after that, they got paid handsomely. And this is this kind of brings us full circle it's why it's probably better to get deals done sooner rather than later so it doesn't balloon as these other players take care of their contract. Yeah, so we agree on that. Like I said, I think the Panthers made the right move to help them get to a spot that they are right now. And for the last Fitty Flash of the day, let's give it to them back there, Joshua. All right. Hmm. <laughs> going to turn our attention to the college landscape. Last week we had the Alabama baseball coach get fired for some betting issues and stuff like that. (laughs) Some more news coming out of the college ranks. The Iowa Gaming Commission has acknowledged and has commenced an investigation into the Iowa baseball team. Two regular players were withheld this this weekend with some some betting stuff going on on that front. Don't have all the specifics and the details Mm -hmm. as of right now, but you had a coach get fired last week. Two players get held out this week, launching yet another investigation. What do we make of the state of sports gambling as it relates to college athletes and coaches? It just makes sense for you to just not go ahead and bet on sports if you are involved in said sport. As right, well. exactly. Like I, I know people have had trouble, especially with the NFL, if players are using a site to bet on sports, even if it is not, one, their own sport that they play, or it has nothing to do with the team they play for. And that's how I think you got the six-game suspension for Jamison Williams, who didn't bet on a Lions game, or even the NFL. But it makes total sense that the NFL would want to have control as for you, the viewer, the consumer, not to question the ethics here, right? Like, so if you're doing this with college athletics, it just makes sense. If you're a coach, no way you can bet on this. It, it, it's, it's not anything for me that I blame athletics involving sports a little bit more so and being in bed with that type of uh with that way of consuming the product it's it's the coach's fault here stop stop betting on games or anything like that that's the problem for me doesn't this just call for the fact there needs to be transparency like if we're going if this is going to be pushed upon us like it is where it's in every other commercial break during a sporting event or something like that 
there's need. There needs to be some transparency with the leagues, the betting sites themselves, to let us know what exactly well, is going on. I will ask, how much more do you need if people get in trouble for it every time, and then you're the latest to do it? You don't need it right. anymore. And I think as a coach, you have to know better in those regards as far as betting on sports. I mean, yeah, Jamison, like, y'all know, Calvin Ridley just got suspended a whole year. Like, what? You know just how hard they're cracking down on this. You know the transparent level here. If Calvin really got in trouble, you know you're going to get in trouble for even delving into that neighborhood. You did. Got a six-game suspension. Now here we are talking about college coaches, which is even more egregious to me because you have some kind of authority over mm-hmm. an entire roster. Yeah. All right. Well, when we come back, we close this thing down on this day in sports history. This is the Wesson Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Wesson Walker, you're listening to Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. We appreciate Jason Sobel hopping on the Body Works Plus guest hotline at the start of the 1 o'clock hour. Put that up on the website, WFNZ.com. Already up. But until then, keep it right here. Kyle Bailey Show actually going to be coming up next in about 15 minutes. And uh, (laughs) we've had a couple of sound bites just overtake the show today. We had, speaking of Jason Sobel, we had something on his end where it, it was like, I don't know if it was the Masters theme song in the background. It seemed a little too harsh for that. It was not nearly as subtle, but that interrupted us. We just had that hop on. So it's been how how hard has it been over there as from a production standpoint today, Fitty? Because it's not like you've been bad. There's just been random sounds popping up here and there. Yeah, no, the thing on Sobel's end, I still don't know what that was because it wasn't like his, he was getting a phone call on the phone. That has that has a different tone. Mm-hmm. That was just, I mean, I'll just, you know, do what what you don't like to do. Oh, uh, what I don't like to yeah. do? Oh, I, what's that? I'll take the blame. Mm. That was my fault. I just mm. hit the button and uh, fired off the walk-off music a little quick. Mm-hmm. So that that was my <laughs> end. But no, I mean, like, you know, mm. I, I've had a great day. I have been distracted, though, trying to figure out why you don't want to have a handshake. Walker, how tired do you get of the endless shots? Well, I just don't know what I haven't taken ownership for. Is there something in particular that I haven't taken ownership for, Finny? Um, <laughs> why you don't want to have a handshake with me? <laughs> no, I'll have a handshake with you. Okay. We can do that. We were talking about handshakes that we had, whether it be like for a team that you played for. I had one for the high school basketball team. I don't have, I don't have one with a different person like LeBron James does with all, every single one of his teammates. Cam Newton seemed to do that here in Carolina. Did you have different handshakes with different guys when you were Never. playing for us? Never did. Why is that? Did you think it was lame? Uh, I think back then it, it wasn't a thing like that. Mm-hmm. So we never focused on any of that type of stuff. All right. Well, are you going to create one with Fitty yes. too? He seems to have wanted uh, We're going to do one with you as well. Sure. 
and I'm sure we're going to film it. Are we going to film it with a close up, or are we going to have like a? I'm going to put it right up your nose. <laughs> it's a POV. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It is definitely going to be. Yeah. If it's anything like the other video, you'll definitely see my boogers because the phone was right there in front of my face. People are enjoying it. They're saying that we need to pin that to the top of our I profile. Did. did you really? That I, one particular one? I did look. Carolina Dave P1 to the show and the Marlowe Militia. He asked, and we're. We're a show of the people, mm-hmm. so it's I, I, it's it's the pin tweet. People are enjoying it's, it, man. It's a good point. We are a show of the people. All right, if you guys want to see my snot, fine. Have it your way. I did way. it for me too. Follow us on Twitter at Westcott. I'm Range. like the boss of the gang. You know, I won't ask you to do anything that I won't do. At Walker Mail and at Wes and Walker, all on Twitter. Fitty, you have a on this day in sports history factoid for us. Share it with the people. Yeah, no, this one's actually pretty good. One of the best ones I've ever came up with. All right. Oh. Okay. On this day in 1970, the New York Knicks, they claimed their first NBA title by defeating the <laughs> Lakers 113 to 99 in game 7. New York was led by the inspiration play of injured center Willis Reed, who limped onto the court and scored the game's first two baskets, but Walt Clyde Frazier led the Knicks with 36 points and 19 assists as the Knickerbockers won their first NBA championship. This leads me to a question that I think we can maybe have some fun with. Y'all are a lot older than I, and I've seen a lot more Game 7s than I. What is your favorite Game 7 NBA, NFL, or NHL, uh, or MLB postseason? What is your favorite Game 7 memory of your lifetime? Well, NBA, I just saw it last week. Stephen Curry dropping 50 most points in a Game 7 all time. That's it, bar none. The- wow. Number one ever in the yep. first round? It was game the seven? greatest performance by points. In a game seven. That so, tops yeah. LeBron's game seven against Golden State or the Spurs. All righty. I'm taking Curry. Man. All Queen right. City icon. That's, that's your guy, Steph Curry. <laughs> um, the one that came to mind immediately, I was, uh, I mean, I, was, I, was, I think I was a senior in high school watching the Lakers and the Celtics game seven. Lakers win. Kobe Bryant gets a championship for the second straight season after beating Orlando when they made the finals. And then Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, Ray Allen and company, they make it back. Pau Gasol actually hit the big shot down the stretch for the Lakers to end up winning 83-79. They would win that championship. And you will give Meta World Peace his credit for his contribution. He did. He did have a big contribution. He was tremendous. Uh, Meta World Peace. Trying to look up the box Without him, they lose that game. Dude, that three... And then that was the first time as a child I remember Mike Breen's bang. Yeah, Meta World Peace. Uh, he had 20 points in that game. Kobe actually not he a great game. Terrible. Six of 24. But Pau Gasol, like I said, had a big shot. I honestly wasn't even great through the duration of that game. Remember, I believe Kendrick Perkins did not suit up because he was injured. Yeah. People were discussing just how much that would affect him because of his post defense. And uh, eventually, again, the Lakers would win. 83-79, by the way. It doesn't quite register, but that's an awful score. Rough game. I did not sit down watching that game after the first oh. quarter. Oh, it was nuts. Well, and the Lakers outscored the Celtics 30-22 to in the fourth quarter. So that's the thing that made it fun. The fourth quarter was actually, that was a fun quarter. But the third quarter, 19-17. Second quarter, 20-17. to The Lakers scored 14 points in the first quarter. To Boston's that 23. That was a rough one. That was, that was a bad one. The other one was, maybe I'm wrong on this. I'll take the clowning if I am. Raptors 76ers Kawhi Leonard shot that was game seven right yes yes when they beat the Sixers and Joel's squatted down on the court yeah I think that was game seven so Kawhi Leonard 
avoiding overtime with the quintessential Hollywood-esque shot, bouncing five different times right. and then going in, leading to a championship. That was a nuts moment that I'll always remember, too. Yeah, that was the shot that broke Ben Simmons' back for good. <laughs> that was well, and then he tried to blame Joel Embiid for that series when he was like still a plus. When you look yeah. at the plus minus numbers, yeah. oh, are are you a plus minus guy? Well, no, just overall. I think if you look at, I, I'm not. It, okay, plus, okay, well, because I know you're a total points added guy. Just wanted to make sure you weren't a plus minus guy. Uh, just sometimes, uh, sometimes. Hockey, I'll it. hockey. I saw it last week as well when the Panthers beat the uh, Bruins. So even if Wes is a lot older than us, he has to be a week old to experience <laughs> right. his best game seven for. I mean, they beat all the time. best regular season hockey team ever. I want to look at sudden death nostalgia. overtime. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, like '94. He's, he's going back to 2023 last week. Yeah. I remember just like it was Tuesday of last week yeah. to see Steph Curry go for 53. <laughs> that was nuts. Oh, man. I think I was like 39 years old. <laughs> Who scored more different. points than he did in the game seven? Let me know. Did, nobody. did Donovan Mitchell? No, it was nobody. You're yeah, sure? Because Donovan Mitchell had like the crazy performance in, uh, in the bubble. So um, you sound like Keith Sweat. How many times you're saying nobody? nobody. Let's go to the prep page. Baby. 704 said. Kane's bouncing back, too. Uh Let's not go. What what else you got? You got some Kane stuff for us? No, I'm just saying I like the fact that they got embarrassed yesterday because that's going to make them okay. refocus. Giving up eight goals, they're going to refocus and come back. Kane's in five. All right, other game seven performances. 704 said Kobe had a bad game, but he had a ton of rebounds. That is true. Kobe yeah. did have a lot of rebounds in that one. All those bricks. <laughs> that's true. Uh, 201 also living the Ron Artest nostalgia. Was Metal World Peace at the time, I do believe. And Big Cat Dan said... Um, also, he did have one last question for you. Wes, what did he think of the WWE backlash, specifically the crowd and Bad Bunny's performance? Oh, it was dope. I was going to say that backlash was lit. Uh, Bad Bunny coming out to the uh, the, the Champa song and the whole crowd was singing <laughs> it, man. It was a good match, too, man. He put on a good match for about 45 minutes. All right, Kyle's in the studio. Kyle, What do you want? I want some sports nostalgia. I asked my guys their favorite Game 7 performances of all time. You just skip right time. over my little wrestling review. And, and well, Wes, well, well, to be fair to your host here, right? I don't watch wrestling, and I don't listen to Bad Bunny. Me neither. <laughs> I was about to say, I had no clue no, what was going on. That got me hyped. Smoke showed it to me before the like in the yeah, news. Yeah, that like was lit, ago. man. That got me hyped. Whole like, crowd oh, singing every awesome. word of his songs that as was, he walked was, out there. Oh, dude, I'm telling you right now, that was one of the coolest things I've ever seen. Yeah. So now we got some bad bunny on the show today. Yeah. Yeah, just okay. It. Perfect. Right. Mm. Did you have a game seven performance that you wanted to get to? No, or I wanted Kyle it? to give us his because Wes went back to two things that happened last week. <laughs> and Walker went back to one that's pretty good, five years old now. 2010, where are you living? No, no. Well, I was talking about the Kawhi Leonard shot. Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay. So, Bailey, between baseball, basketball, the NHL, what's the best game seven you can remember? Mmm... <laughs> Performance. Game Bro, seven, Cubs, know. Cubs, and uh, and Indians. That was another one. I mean, Kobe had a couple. He right? did. Yeah, I mean, the Kobe, one we just talked about. Now, yeah. I mean, obviously, like the one against Celtics wasn't that great. He's like six of twenty-four from the floor. Not that one. He won a title, but Kobe had a few. I don't know. I didn't prepare for this. Wow. Why? Mm. I don't go. know. I just wanted a better answer. All right, Fitty disrespecting a couple of different hosts right there. <laughs> I want to talk about Bad Bunny. You're like, give me your Rolodex of all-time great game <laughs> you know, sevens. Because Dude, Google the, it. I don't know. Because of this, I'm going to throw up in your new yard. Oh, you're going to throw up in my new yard? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I like that one. All right, we'll carry a dresser and you'll throw up. How about that? All right, that? that'll do it. Hear more about Bad Bunny in the upcoming show, Kyle Bailey Show alongside Smoke Ludwig. You're listening to Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.